Amen. You know, every uh, once in a while, and uh, actually it happens a lot to me at least, you know, when I, during my quiet time or just time that I spend in God's presence, you know, and sit, I sit and I end up reflecting on God and it's just something. And just the other day I was, uh, I was here in the morning and I went, grabbed something to eat at lunch and then. I was like, man, I need to go. And I, if most of you don't know, I hang out at Starbucks a lot. So. <laughs> but I was out there, and it was so crowded. And I was like, I want to spend some time in prayer, and, and you know, just in the Word. And it was really crowded, and I couldn't get a, a table just to myself. I don't mind sharing a table, but when I'm, you know, I don't mind that. But it's one of those times when I wanted a table just to myself, so I could just open the Bible. I had another commentary with me, and I was just, I just wanted to... Just do that, you know, and I just couldn't find a single place. And so I was like, okay, I'll go back to church. And uh, right now I dread going back there in the afternoon because it's like 140 degrees there. But so I came out, I was on the couches and just, you know, and then I don't know. I just sat there and I was looking around, you know, the grass and the wind, just, you know, all these, all the trees and everything else. And then once again, I just sat there amazed at God. I don't know if that happens to you sometimes. And you're just driving along. There's nothing you can do. All you can do is just look outside and think, man, God, wow. And time and time again, you know, you just have this moment when you just realize how awesome God really is. And let me encourage you, please, never cease or don't cease. Never cease to be amazed by God. We sing that song, Lord, I'm, am- I'm amazed by you. Don't ever lose your sense of amazement and awe when it comes to God. Because then you're going to just go through the motions of coming to church and reading the word and doing nothing else. You're just doing it just because you don't know anything else to do. Don't ever lose your sense of awe when it comes to God. And I tell you, when I read the word, he just blows my mind away time and time again. You know, it's probably the same scripture portion I've probably read 10 times before, but it's something about God that he just reveals himself to us in a new way. And and you think about it, you know, because there comes a point in our lives and where we, and I'm talking about individually, we as individuals, have to make a decision. And the decision is simple, whether God and prayer really matters at all. Because especially if you're born and brought up in the church, this is what you know how to do since you were a baby, right? But there is a time when you have to make a choice and you come to a point where you've got to make a decision whether God and prayer matters or not. And it really boils down to these options because in that situation at that time, there is this one distinct time where you've got to make a decision. Am I going to turn to God? Or am I going to turn away from God? It really boils down to those decisions. Because honestly, when you look at the world around you with all the struggles and the chaos and everything else going around. And you realize that people are, more and more people are running away from God rather than running to Him. Rather than turning to Him, they run away from Him. And sometimes I just can't help but think and I want to say... And I say this to myself, if they only knew what Jesus really offers and who Jesus really is, they'd be running to him rather than away from him. Not just another religion, that's not what we are here for. Not just another religion with its sets of rules, but a real relationship with God himself. Through his son, Jesus Christ. Through his son, Jesus Christ. And it really blows my mind away how accessible God is. Think about it. And time, I just think about it a lot. Because you think about the Old Testament. They had to do so much stuff. And then one person was allowed one time in the year to go into God's presence. I don't think we think about that enough. One time in the year, only one person was allowed to go into God's presence. That's how much, and of course, that person was chosen very carefully, and there was so much that guy had to do, because we sang that song several, holy, 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 because if you went in there with the wrong whatever, what would happen? You wouldn't come back alive. 
Yet we have, through the blood of Christ, the privilege of going into God's presence. Let's never take that for granted, church. Let's always remember what Christ had to do so that I could have access to God. And it blows my mind away how accessible God really is to each one of us. You know, And the truth is, all we have to do is pray and He's there. It's simple. All we have to do is pray and He's always there to answer. May not be the answer we like. I've said this, we know this. Not, may not be the answer we like, but he's always, always there for us because we are his children. And all we need to do is pray, even in the midst of the greatest struggle. Sometimes prayer is the greatest struggle, right? But even in the midst of the greatest struggle, God is always there. And this morning I wanted to read from uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And honestly, as we read Scripture and as we meditate on the Word... I sincerely hope that you will turn to God and not run away from Him. And I want to read Matthew chapter 6. And um, I'm going to start with the NIV. But if we have the New American Standard Version. uh, Because the NIV mentions this in a footnote actually. And uh, by the way, on Wednesday nights we started doing a series on the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7, basically. And we're studying, doing a little more study, in-depth study about that. And this is part of that section, actually. Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to read from verses 5 all the way to 13, actually. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they will receive their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your heavenly father who is unseen. Then your heavenly father, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your heavenly Father knows what your need knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then if you have the NASB and the NIV mentions it in the footnote. It says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. For yours is the kingdom. Another translation says, for yours, O God, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And ever. I honestly think that this is one of the most important and essential statements that we can have as a Christian. What we need to really wrap our heads around this concept. Because if we really buy into this concept, it will make such a difference in our everyday lives. This statement, yours, and if you learned the KJV, like, thine is the kingdom. The power and the glory forever. Amen. Because if you understand this fact, you will understand things that happened in the past. Things that are happening now and it will give you a new perspective on things that are going to come. Because it explains it all. Because history essentially is his story. That's what it is because he is in control. And like, let me say this. If we want to even begin to understand life, we've got to understand this concept of his kingdom, his power, and his glory. His kingdom, his power, his glory. You need to get the fact that first of all, none of us are a mistake. We were all created by God for His glory. There is no mistake. There is no mistake. I have met a number of people who said I was a mistake. I have met a number of them. And let me tell you today, you are not a mistake. 
I know some parents joke around like, well, we weren't expecting this, and here it is. But you were not a mistake in God's plan. I met a person who was born because of someone raped her mother. And I met this young lady and she said, I know even in the midst of that, I was not a mistake because God knew what he was doing. Even in spite, and I, let me say this. People make stupid mistakes, and a woman makes a stupid mistake. Sometimes this one night stand ends up as a baby, the mom and man, not, not blaming one or the other. But even in that situation, you are not a mistake. We need to tell people that. Amen. You are not a mistake. Life is in God's hands. He's the one who gives life. You are not a mistake. When you understand that God is in control, you will understand why you are here on earth. Life comes from God. Church, we are created by God, for God, and for His purpose. There is a master plan. There is a master plan. And history as we know it is just like a small uh, dot in this whole master plan of His. And I always use this example because when we lived out there in the northwest, uh, there were a lot of these, everybody used to come for the cruise, Alaskan cruise. If you've not been on one, please do it. I don't know what it's like, but they all say it's really good. But it's really beautiful. And you have these big cruise ships. There's this one time Heather and me were invited on board. They invited all pastors in, the, uh, in that area, the local area there of Bellingham. And uh, by the way, if you're a pastor, you get on for free. Did you know that? It's true. Every cruise ship has a chaplain, either a rabbi or a Muslim imam or the last one was a Hindu priest. So they always have two out of the four at all times. And so if you're a pastor, they say, hey, do you want to join this cruise ship? And Heather hates me for not having signed up. But I said, I'll do that after I retire. <laughs> I love to go fishing, but seven days on a boat with strange people, I don't know about that part, but... Either they'll get saved or they'll throw me overboard. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, but you get this idea. You got to think about it. You see these big cruise ships going through, you know, and you've got to realize when you're on it or while you're on it, you can do a lot of things. You can go to the upper deck. Most of them have this lovely swimming pool. Actually, they have several pools out there. You can choose to be or swim in one of these pools on the upper deck. Or you can go down somewhere in the middle. There's this gym and you can go to one corner and you can play basketball or do whatever you want to. Or you can just sit on the sun deck when, and just enjoy or soak in the sun. You can do whatever you want to. Or you, you ha they have several shows and everything else. And you can do whatever you want to on that cruise ship. But you got to realize, even though you have the freedom to do a lot of things, it is never going to change the destination. It's going from one place to Alaska. No matter what you do, it is not going to change the fact that it is getting to one place and one place alone. You got to understand history and your role in it in, those fa in that same fashion. You have the freedom and the choice to do whatever you want to. But there is nothing that is going to stop God's plan for this world from where we are to where it's going to go. We just play a part. We have the freedom to do whatever we want to. But that does not change God's plan for this earth, for this world. Because he is sovereign and he is in control. He is sovereign and he is in control. Everything moves according to God's plan. Everything moves according to God's plan to accomplish his ultimate purpose for this world when he created it. History is moving the way God wants it to move, whether you like it or not. It is moving. Nothing you can do can turn that big cruise ship around. It's going. That's how God's will is. You either get on board or you can whine and cry about being there the whole time. It's not going to change it. You've got to make the choice how you're going to live your life. Amen. His power. He accomplishes his plan for eternity and uses our short history Within that great plan of his. God has a plan for eternity. And like I said. His power makes history happen. If you want to do that. 
It's all because of his power. You see that time and time again. God's power being revealed to us in the word. You talk about the plagues. Talk about the dividing of the Red Sea. Talk about different miracles that have happened. It's God's power displayed for the whole world to see. Because he is accomplishing his plan. Isaiah 45, it says, I am the one, God speaking, I am the one who made the earth, created the human beings. I'm paraphrasing here. Created human beings to live there. By my power, I stretched out the heavens. I controlled the sun, the moon, and the stars. I myself, and this is interesting here, I myself have stirred Cyrus to action to fulfill my purpose. Cyrus, anyone knows who Cyrus is? He was not a Jew, really. He wasn't really a Hebrew. He was a pagan king. But God used a pagan king to fulfill his purpose. God is going to use everything in his power. Everything is under his power to fulfill his plan. So please don't think that the world is going without any control. God's in control still. He always was, he is, and always will be in control. You've got to believe that, church. You've got to believe that. The plan and the kingdom is established. This is his kingdom. His kingdom is established through his mighty power. We used to sing this song back in the day. Our Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. And then says, our Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thine outstretched hand. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Nothing is too difficult for a God. What's the point of his great kingdom and his great power? Is so that his glory can be displayed. Please don't ever think about God as this big bully who wants to be recognized every time. There are a lot of people in this world. You got to recognize them for them to feel good about themselves. That's not why we worship God. When we worship God, it's not about reminding him about how great he is. When we sing about his greatness it reminds us about how dependent we are on his power that's what it's about his power his might and for his glory to be revealed and let me say one thing god's kingdom and we talked about it briefly on wednesday night god's kingdom is a present reality please don't think it is something that is going to be in the future it is here and now also It will be established in its perfection when Christ comes again. That's what the word says. But we encounter his kingdom right now. Encounter his power right now. We encounter his glory right now. His kingdom, his power, and his glory. God's power is alive and active in today's world. I know there are a number of Christians who think that God, you know, his miraculous power stopped. You know, by the age of the apostles. And I, I'm like, you got something wrong with you if you really believe that. Because I can show you and make you meet people who have encountered the power of God and live because of God's miraculous touch in their lives. Number of people who have told me I shouldn't be here, but if it wasn't for God, I would not be here at all. God's power. And best is the Holy Spirit. I cannot imagine my life without the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. A moment to without his power that is available to each and every one of us. Let me say this. His power, his glory, his kingdom. His power was established or evidence in the past. It's a reality for today and it will be established or it is established forever. It is established forever. And this morning I've titled my sermon and I'm just going to go through this real quick. I call it living in sync. It's about the kingdom, the power, and the glory. The kingdom, the power, and the glory. Because living in sync with God is about living in God's kingdom by his power for his glory. Let me say that again. It's about living in God's kingdom by his power and for his glory. That's what marks a Christian's life today. That's what really marks a Christian life today. Because really, people get up in the morning, they go to work, and they come home and watch TV, and they do that time and time again, and they think they're living life. Let me tell you this, you're not living life unless you're living it in the kingdom of God, by the power of God, and for His glory alone. That's how 
that's how otherwise your life is pretty empty anyway three uh, three things to and i'm talking about the kingdom the power living in sync with god means living in god's kingdom let me tell you this you've got to live something that gives you purpose has to be outside you okay something that gives you purpose in your life you can't look into your own life to find purpose there has to be something bigger and something out there that will give you meaning and significance in your life i know and we believe that to be god and so you got to tune into god living in god's kingdom you will never enjoy the fullness of life unless you live in the kingdom of god first thessalonians 2:12 says live lives worthy of god who has called us into his kingdom his kingdom what does it mean to live in its kingdom it's pretty simple it's pretty simple to say it's hard to practice i'll be honest with you it's an easy concept but it's hard for us to live and it's challenging for us to live it simply means when i live in the kingdom i make god's agenda my agenda when i submit myself to god i am living in his kingdom the hardest thing for us is i mean the easiest thing for us is to take care about us and our agenda but when we look and live for god's agenda that's how we live in if you keep reading the mountain god and it's kind of interesting if you read the sermon on the mount especially chapter 6 there if you keep reading jesus spends a majority of the section in what saying don't worry about this don't worry about that if you read chapter 6 he says don't worry about your health don't worry about your happiness don't worry about security don't worry about your future don't worry about relationships and he can add to that don't worry about your jobs don't worry about your family whatever he talks about all these things you should not worry about but then he ends in 633 what does he say but seek first what the kingdom of god and his righteousness that's the truth if you want to live a worry free life all you have to do is seek god his kingdom seek his kingdom live in his kingdom it's a life surrendered and submitted to the will of god that's how you know he is or you are part of his kingdom it's pretty simple we hear this cliche where is god's kingdom it's wherever he's allowed to be king is he king of your heart is he king of your lives it's simple because if he is if your life is submitted to him you are living in his kingdom i had knee surgery a few years back when i i mean i tore my acl playing soccer and so when i got to get it fixed i realized one of the biggest things that one of the things that bothers me is the insurance policies here in america i have no idea how insurance works it's just amazing how these insurance things and working through deductibles out of pocket and i'm adding up and i'm like man that's way more than i thought i was going to pay how many of you know what i'm talking about insurance in america but then it hit me after that God is such an amazing insurance plan. Think about it. Zero deductible, zero out of pocket, and zero premium. Who wouldn't go for such a deal? Yet we try and live our lives for ourselves when all we have to do is submit ourselves to him and allow him to work in our lives. That's it. Being in his kingdom simply means God I'm submitting to you. You are number 1 in my life in every area of my life. If you want God to rule in your heart, all you have to do is make him number 1. Make him number 1 in my marriage. I put God first. Because right in the beginning we realized, hey God, you have to be number 1 in our marriage. You have to be one of number 1 and what I've learned, what I've seen and I've learned cuz many of us want to love our spouse. but what i've learned what i've seen and what i've I, i've observed from others too if i really want to love my wife i've got to learn to love god first that's the honest truth because i cannot give something that i don't have he is love when i learn to love him he fills me with his love and because i have his love in my heart i'm able to love my wife better and my family better you want him to be number 1 in your life you want him to bless your family put him first in your family You want him to be number 1 in your career, put him first there. Amen. Yes, you have your desires. God gives you desires. God gives you ambition, but you've got to come to him and seek his will. Put him first and he will bless you. Amen. That's what it means to be in God's uh, in God's kingdom. Now you can choose to do your own thing or you can choose to run away like Jonah. Guess what happened to Jonah when he ran from God's will? He ended up in the belly of a whale. 
from my own experience, when I tried to run away from God, I crashed and burned. I don't know about you. You can try it if you want to. I'm just telling you. You know what they say, right? Smart people learn from their, from their mistakes, right? And really smart people learn from other people's mistakes. Now, some of people want to, and I've heard a lot of young people say, you know, I've got, I want to experience that life. I'm like, why? Look at what happened to someone else. You think things are going to change? It's not. Really smart people learn from someone else's mistakes. And I've tried doing it my way several times. And all I've ended up doing is crashing and burning and getting a lot of pavement on my face. That's what it is when you try your own thing. You want him first, put him first. You want him to bless your finances, put him first in your finances. It's simple. Oh, the pastor's talking about money again. I really don't care. That's what the word of God says. You want to be blessed by God in your finances? Put him first. Heather and me, let me tell you this. Right from day one, we don't have to ask each other, do we need to pay our tithes this month? We don't. And thank God we have easy tithe. If you don't know what easy tithe is, it's just on your phone. All you have to do is click it and it goes. We just set it up and we don't even think about it. We don't go to look if it's taken because it does its own job. Put God first and he will bless you. Not just about money, it's about your family, it's about every single thing in your life. If you put him first, you're telling and acknowledging, God, I'm living in your kingdom and now you enjoy the benefits of living in the kingdom of God. Put him first in your life. Put him first in your time. Put him first in your time, in your schedule every day. Put him in there. Okay, God, I'm going to meet with you at 4 o'clock today. I don't care what time you choose. I don't get up at 4 a.m., but I'm just saying, set a time aside for God. You set a time for the appointment for a doctor. You set an appointment for someone else, right? How much more important to set a time for God? Set a time for God. Make him number one in your time. In your troubles, in your worst situation, please don't let prayer be, oh, I guess I'll pray now. In your situation, make him number one. I've said this before. Don't let God be that hail, or your prayer be like that hail Mary pass right at the end of the game and hope for a great result. No, prayer is staying with the plan all along. You can't just throw something out there and pray. Hopefully, if it's God's will, he'll cast that pass. No one goes with that plan, right? You don't start a game with throwing a Hail Mary. It's simple. Put him first. In the day of trouble, put him first. We run around to everybody else and then we'll say, okay, now we'll go to God. Make him number one in your trouble and he will see you through that day. He will see you through that day. All we can do is pray, church, sometimes. But let that be number one. Let that be a first option we run to. God, when I hit a brick wall, I will come to you first. Because I live in your kingdom. And you rule and reign over my heart. You rule and reign over my wife, my family. You rule and reign over my career. You rule and reign over everything I own. Because I know nothing I have in me. I don't deserve anything. Yet you have blessed me because I have chosen to be part of your kingdom. Please remember that. Too many people going to the next part here. It's his kingdom. Second part is living by his power. Too many people in the world fool themselves into thinking that I have done it myself. And therefore I deserve everything that I have got so far. That's true to an extent. But if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't even get out of bed. Remember, reliance on him. Because in my own power, I'm telling you, I would not be able to get out of bed if it wasn't for God's grace and his mercy. Acknowledge him in that way. It is not about his, I mean, not about my power. Honest truth, the biggest thing is, the difference between giving God glory and giving something else glory is the pride that we have within us. That's the honest truth. And the worst part about pride is the I between that, in the middle of that word, right? You have P-R, I, and then D-E. The biggest problem with pride is the I in between it. Because we want to live our lives all for ourselves in our own power and then try and figure out why things go wrong with my life. You've got to learn to live for his power, by his power. I need to say this and say this carefully. Because the question is, do we experience God's power in our everyday lives? Do we experience God's power in our everyday lives? Because there are quite a few Christians who struggle to experience God's power, the power of the Holy Spirit in their everyday lives. It's simply because of the lack of faith. 
Now let me say this carefully here. I'm not saying you're not healed because you have less faith. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying sometimes we struggle. The world is the power of the Holy Spirit because we lack faith. And let me put it this way. The world in, we, in which we live pushes rational thinking so far. We do not leave room for faith. Let's be careful about that. Because everything's got to make sense. Yes, it has to make sense. I'm not saying no. But please understand, when I pray, I believe because my faith makes me see things in a different manner. Amen. My faith makes me see things differently because when I pray, I believe God works supernaturally in the natural. Amen. That's what faith is about. That's what living by the power of God is. It's living, believing that God can work supernaturally in our natural realm. Do we live by God's power? Do we live by God's power? According to your faith, it will be given to you. That's what the Bible says. This is the honest truth, and we know it. Some of us have this much faith. Guess how much, how much you're going to bless and how much you're going to be blessed? That much. If you have faith that much, God is going to reward that faith. It's pretty simple. All we have to do is step out in faith. How do we live by God's power? How do we live by God's power the truth is this the more you depend on God and the less you depend on yourselves the better you will be it's just a simple secret the more you depend on God and the less you depend on yourselves the more blessed your life will be enjoy God's blessings by his power Ephesians 3 it says by his mighty power at work within us he is able to accomplish infinitely more What's he talking about? More, another translation, more than we can ever think or imagine by his power. How do I experience God's power? Three points. Number one, prayer. We know the cliche and thing. It's so true. Less prayer, less power. More prayer, more power. No prayer, no power. I know it sounds cliche. It sounds like a kid, but it's pretty simple. Don't complicate it. All we have to do is tap into the greatest power ever. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. To experience it in our lives. The second thing you need to do to live in God's power or by God's power is step out in faith. You have to step out in faith if you want to experience God's power. It's stepping out. It's just that step of faith that you take. It's just that, say, obedience, step of obedience you take when God tells you to do something. If you think about it, really, always use this example of Peter. Because God is constantly trying to stretch our faith to build our faith up. If we don't stretch, if he doesn't stretch our faith, we will never build our faith up. And I always use the example of Peter here. When he got out of the boat, when God called him there, he got to remember God did not make it concrete. Peter didn't see concrete water and then step out. Guess what he did? He stepped out and then the water took his weight, correct? You've got to step out in faith to experience God's power and the Bible is full of that. So many examples where people had to step out in faith and then they experienced the power of God. In our rational mind, we want to see everything before we step out. But that is not faith. You will never experience the power of God unless you step out and take a risk for God. Because God will honor your faith. God will honor your faith. If you want to walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat first of all. You can't step, stay. You can have a lot of faith. While you're in the boat, right? But the faith that really counts is when you step out. When we have trouble, that's when faith really counts. Because we can have a lot of faith when things are going well with us. But it's when things go wrong, that's when we really need faith. Amen. That's when you will experience God's power. In his kingdom, in his power, praying, stepping out in faith. And the last thing I want to encourage for uh, this point of power is don't quit. Please do not quit persevere because when you step out in faith let me tell you this the enemy is never going to be happy when you step out in faith right. your own family and friends people who know you best will question what are you doing this does not make sense there'll be a lot of things that will come against you that'll make you quit but let me tell you this if you want to experience god's power you cannot quit cannot quit because i know what god told me to do and i'm going to do it because i prayed about it i've sought wise counsel and now i'm stepping out in faith and i don't care what's going to happen but i'm going to stay obedient to what god has told me to do 
then you will experience God's power. Experience God's power. Live in his kingdom. Live by his power. And lastly, live for his glory. Live for his glory, his kingdom, by his power and his glory. Romans chapter 6, uh, 10 and 11 says, When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. What is he saying there? Jesus died and rose again for the glory of God. And he says, you also now, you need to recognize that you're dead to your sins, but alive in Christ for God's glory. God did not save you for your own glory. You didn't hear me there. God did not save you for your own glory that you can brag about how much God has blessed you. The point of you being saved is that you give glory to God by the way you live your life. In his kingdom, by his power, and for his glory. Question, real simple. Whose glory are you living for? Whose glory are you living for? Because there are a number of people, Christians too, who live for our own selves more than anything else in the world. We live for our own selves. Some of us are still trying. And let me say this. Some of us are still trying to be what our parents want us to be. I'm not living for my own self and I feel good. But actually what we're trying to do is live for what our wife or our husband or whoever else has imagined us to be. You can't live for anybody else. You've got to live for God and God alone. Not the expectations of someone else. Live for God, totally dependent on God's power and live for his glory. Ephesians chapter 3, it says, by his mighty power at work within us, he can accomplish much more than we can think or imagine, right? But we can only have that by his power and only when we have the right motivation to live for his glory. God isn't going to accomplish stuff if we want to live and he knows our hearts, people. We can't fool God and say, okay, I'll, I'll live all this life. God, pour out a blessing so that I will be blessed. That's not what it is about. It's for him and his glory alone. Put God first in your desires and in your hearts. Live in his kingdom by his power and for his glory. I was reading about uh, this guy who, and honest truth, a friend of mine actually. He worked in a, one of the famous soda companies that we have here for 30 years. 30 years he lived there and all of a sudden with all the recession that happened around 2008, 10, they cut him. And he was so devastated, depressed, discouraged. And then he finally told me, Pastor said, I realized I was living for my job more than I was living for God. After 30 years of working for this company, he was like, I can't believe they cut me. He said this time and time again. And only a year later, he came to me and he says, I realized what the problem was. I was living for something else rather than God and for his glory. No, I was reading about this other person. He says, I worked hard and climbed the ladder of success only to find out that I was leaning on the wrong wall. I thought that was really neat. Worked so hard, climbed the ladder of success only to find out that I was leaning on the wrong wall. Church, what are we living for? Who are we living for? Who are we living for? Only God. This other, other cliche that he says, we give first class allegiance to second class things. First class allegiance to second, how do we last things? Only God is worthy of your, uh, of your allegiance. Anyway, how do, we, how do we live for God's glory? Three points and I'll finish here. Number one, the first way to live for God's glory is to reflect God's love. Reflect God's love. Do you know that every time you show love or God's love to somebody, you're actually reflecting who God is? The Bible says God is love. And every time you reflect God's love, you are showing people who God is. Who God really is. We have to learn to love people the way God loves people. Because God is love. Again, accept people just the way they are. Accept people just the way they are. Again, you know this. Acceptance doesn't mean approval. Acceptance simply means in spite of what you're doing, I will still love you because I know God still loves you. That's it. Except if you want to be and live for his glory, reflect God's love. And please, acceptance does not mean you compromise the truth. 
It does not mean compromise the truth. And please do not be a hypocrite and love people in front of them and talk bad about them behind their backs. Please. Too many people. We do that a lot in church too sometimes. Not this church. But you know what I'm talking about. Let's be real. Hey, find a group. There are people we share our struggles. We share whatever happens. That is safe. There's a safe place. But if you keep telling something on and on again, that's what gossip is about, right? We don't do gossip. We reflect Christ's love. Reflect. If you want to live for his glory, reflect his love. Second thing, to, to, to live for his glory, serve willingly and faithfully. Because Jesus says what? I did not come to be served, but to serve. When we serve willingly, when we serve faithfully, we are reflections of God's glory. Because that's what Jesus did. We are reflections of his glory. First Peter 4. Actually, turn with me to First Peter 4 because it's an interesting passage there. First Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. First Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. I'm reading from the NIV. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Let's read that again. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others. If we want to be reflections of God's glory, we've got to learn this concept of serving others rather than just ourselves. Serving others. Please understand, God has wired us to make a contribution. That's just the way we are. We are wired to make a contribution, especially in a small church like that. We need everybody like we got. We need everybody to contribute to make this happen. God has wired. Please, you got to understand the talents that God has given you. The stuff that you are naturally good at is not something just for you. God gave you those talents, those gifts, and those abilities to serve those around you. I thank God for people around me who are more talented in areas that make up for my deficiencies in areas too. That's how we make it happen. If I surrounded myself with only one type of person, we wouldn't get very far. I used, when I used to uh, have, I had a team of eight students and uh, was called resident assistants, basically, while I was pastoring the dorm there. And I always used the illustration of a pizza. We were all pepperoni and cheese pizzas, but we're all different, but we fit in together to make a whole pizza. That's how we are in the kingdom of God. If we were all the same, it would be really boring to be in church. We all are different, but we complement each other. When we fit in together in God's plan and people see the whole thing, that's when we reflect God's glory. Reflect his glory for the whole world to see. Please understand the talents are not meant just to benefit you. They are meant to benefit those around you. And I thank God for people, talents out there who have benefited me too. Because I would be horrible if I tried to open up a car and try and fix it. But I can take it to Joe, who's a good mechanic there, and he can help me with it. It's simple. We make up for each other's deficiencies so that we can get together and together bring glory to God's name. Reflect his glories. Reflect his glory. And the truth is, why do you think I'm blessed? I'm blessed. I am blessed. I'll tell you this. I'm blessed not because I deserve it. But God chooses to bless me. Not because I deserve it. Not because I've done all the right things my whole life. Because God has poured out his grace and mercy. And now because I am blessed, I realize I am blessed to be a blessing. There's nothing you do that can deserve God's blessing. Let me tell you that. All you need is his grace. That's what gets it. And again, something that I do all the time. When I wake up in the morning, it's one of the things I do. God, I want to be more like you. That's my prayer every single day of the week. But I also say, God, I want to live in your kingdom. I want to live by your power. And I want to be a reflection of your glory. Make that your prayer. See how it changes your lives. When you get into your car to drive to work or you go in wherever you're going. Make that your prayer. God, today I want to live in your kingdom. Live by your power. Not my own power, but by your power. And God, I want to be a reflection of your glory. And see how it changes the day. 
changes the day. To reflect God's glory. I mean to live for his glory. To reflect God's love. To serve willingly. And the last one I'd say is very important. Is share Christ verbally. Share Christ verbally. And I'm not talking about teaching people another religion again. All you have to do is share what the living God has done for you. Because that's when you introduce him to a friend. But that's when you also introduce him to the one who saved you from whatever you were doing. Introduce them to Christ, the living God. Share with them about your faith. Because every time you share your faith, you reflect God's glory. Because when you tell them about what God did for you, you're not talking about you. You're talking about God. And when you talk about God, you're reflecting his glory. Reflect his glory. Share him. Share him verbally with your friends. Invite them to church. That's another way they'll hear the good news. Invite them to church. And I know there are a lot of churches which don't make a lot of sense. And I'll be honest, it's sad. But there are a lot of churches which don't make sense. And I get scared to take people to those churches sometimes. Hey, but here at Radiant Life Church, we're not worried about it. Invite people to church because that's where, please, let me say this carefully. Please do not hesitate to invite your friends to church. I promise you we're not going to make them feel weird or pounce on them or anything of that sort, you know. People have said, you know, what if the spirit moves and all these freaky things happen? The truth is here at Radiant Love Church, we're not embarrassed. We're not embarrassed when we have outward manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We're not embarrassed about it, yet we are also mature enough to know and recognize what's happening We are mature enough to recognize the move of the Holy Spirit, but we are very conscious of newcomers here too. So don't be worried about that too much because I promise you, let me say this, the leadership in the church and the maturity of the church, we don't have to always jump around and everything else. Only when I feel an electric current going through my hand, that's when I experience God's presence. That's rubbish. You all know that. You experience God's presence even when nothing outward happens. God is still working because his word is spoken. His presence in the earth. God will work in the hearts of people. Please do not equate an outward manifestation of the Holy Spirit and say, Oh, the Spirit moved today because we have 10 people on the ground falling down and laughing in the Spirit. That's not it. We are mature enough to know that. All the, What we want is God's presence and we want God to work in our hearts. That's what we're about. I will do all things to all men to win some for Christ. That's what Paul says. That's what our motto is in this church. To win people for Christ. Share your testimony. Share the good news of what God has done for you. That's how you reflect God's glory. Bow your heads with me real quick. Church, these concepts are... For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. No matter what we do on a Sunday morning here in this church, we can do whatever we want to do, but if God's presence is not here, it's just nothing really. It really means nothing if we don't live in His kingdom. Because we can have great everything, great friends and great fellowship and everything else. It can all be great, but it means nothing if you don't do it in the kingdom of God by his power and for his glory in this church. The worship team is not up here to sing for their own glory. I'm not here to preach for his glory. I mean, for my glory. It's all for his glory. You know what I mean? It's all for his glory, church. We live in the kingdom of God, not by our own strength, but by His power, by His might, and for His glory. Father, this morning we come to you once again, Lord. I pray, God, just these three short phrases, Lord will have a new meaning in our lives today. Living in his kingdom. It simply is where he's king. Is he king of your life? If he is, then you're living in his kingdom. By his power. My experience, I've tried it on my own. 
never worked out. I can't make it. I honestly can't make it without the Holy Spirit, without His power. By His power and for His glory. For His glory and His glory alone. I don't have to go around showing people all the fancy stuff that I have done on my own. When I do, All I need to do is acknowledge that everything comes from you, God. It's for your glory, God. The talents that you have blessed me with, God. The stuff that you have blessed me with, God. It's not my own. It's for your glory to serve others, God. Thank you, Jesus. As every head is bowed and all eyes closed this morning, I just, I want to invite you to think with me carefully. And if this is you, I would just slip your hand up and put it down real soon. Because God, I know I've lived my life my way being the king of my own kingdom, but I know it's not going to last, God. I want to live in your kingdom. And I want to live by your power, Lord. By your power, Lord. Because when I try, Lord, I just get so tired, worn out when I try and do it on my own, God. I need your power today, Lord. I need your power today, God. And Lord, lastly, I want to reflect your glory. I live my life for your glory. If that's your prayer today, I want you to just slip your hand up and put it down and we'll pray together before we take communion. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, thank you. It's not about anybody else. It's just about you and God. It's about you and God. You make the decision. God, I'm going to live in your kingdom. How do I do that? It's by making you Lord of my life. You be king of my life, Lord. And I'm living in your kingdom, God. I want to live by your power, oh God. As I submit myself to you, oh God, I pray, oh God, live in your power, oh God, not my own strength. And God, I pray, oh God, that my life, oh God, will be lived for your glory, God. Everything I say, everything I do, everything I think, oh God, will be a reflection of your glory, God. I pray that prayer, oh God, for me. Especially for those who lifted their hands. God, I just pray that prayer for them, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, once again, Lord. I pray, God, you see the hands of God. and You know our thoughts, God. You know our mind, God. You know what's going on inside. Church, let's never settle for something less than God's best. Please don't settle for something less than God's best for your life. Commit yourself to that this morning. And as we prepare for communion, Brother Sylvester, Brother Lupe, if you want to come and help us again.